Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy 2.15 and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton. All right, welcome back this week. Uh, we're glad to be here uh, and glad to have everybody here uh, to hear our program today. I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And I'm your host, David Reed. We appreciate everyone joining us. Um, just one announcement, um, that would be that if you're looking for additional content other than when we're live streaming, uh, be sure to check out past programs. Uh, you can also check out, if you like, the Columbus Bible Church uh, website or YouTube channel for other content. Uh, we, we share that just because it's always good to, to spend more time in study than less. So please take advantage of that. Let me open us in a word of prayer and we will get started. Father God, thank you for this time. We thank you for the technology to communicate your word across the world. We pray that we would be faithful and diligent about so doing. We pray that the time tonight would be beneficial. We pray that uh, your word would accomplish the purposes that you desire. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. 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 All right. And uh, Pam, did we have um, questions that came in this week? We did not have any questions, but we do have a um, a question that came in for a personal person. His, uh, we're going to name him Sam. Um, I know he's from a restricted country, but he he asked a very important question on um, how do I find God, and I would like to find God for guidance in my life. So it gave me an opportunity to um, give him the plan of salvation, and I sent a video as well, and I went ahead and printed out and typed out scripture um, for him to read. He said he was very thankful that that, um, he got that information, and I told him that we would be praying for him, and we're going to call his name Sam. Um, So that was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Also, we have a new country tonight. Uh, We had three listeners from Brazil and two in India. Two joined us in Germany. Hmm. And um, so we have new countries every week, I noticed. Yeah. And there are some countries that I don't mention, but we have three other countries that um, are actually gaining – we gained five listeners last from last week to this week. Okay. Wow, country. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, his words her, his words get an and being heard. Mm-hmm. And as you um, spoke of Sam, someone's reaching out from if, you know, some authorities saying they they are not to hear God's word, but they're reaching out mm-hmm. to hear. So, and yeah, that's um, a blessing. And hopefully um, accept God's free gift of grace. Mm-hmm. All right. Amen. And so today we're here back in Ephesians. We're going through uh, starting today at Ephesians four thirty one. Uh, we'll do a recap. Okay. I'll go ahead and do that. It's um, Ephesians. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter four, verses thirty and thirty one. 
and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So what Ephesians 4.31 tells us to do is it tells us to, to put away some things concerning what comes out of our mouth, right? In terms of bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. Uh, look with me at Colossians 3, verse 8. Colossians 3.8. We, we think it's a very helpful technique in Bible study to find relevant cross-references. John 10 says the scriptures cannot be broken. Uh, and the reason why that is, is that the scriptures are interlaced. The scriptures explain one another. The scriptures interpret one another. And so as you're studying any particular passage or any particular Bible topic, one of the best things to do is to find other verses that give light on the subject you're looking at. Colossians 3 verse 8, but, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication out of your mouth. It's funny how the Bible's terminology uh, influences what we, just even our, our basic vocabulary. Have you ever heard of someone being described as having a filthy mouth or a dirty mouth? Well, that's what Colossians 3, eight is, is talking about, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Filthy communication out of your mouth. And of course, Scripture commands us not to be that way. Look with me at Matthew 12, verse 36. Matthew 12 and verse 36. As you think about the issue of what comes out of one's mouth, Matthew 12, 36 is a fascinating and, and, and a very sobering verse, Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So we give account for how many of our words? All Every. of them. Mm -hmm. um, and do we often just, you know, say things that are unkind and do we get in the habits of being uh, cruel or mean or so on? Uh, mm -hmm. Scripture says that we answer for those things. And of course, words do hurt people. Um, so Scripture in, in multiple places tells us to be very thoughtful uh, and very intentional about what comes out of our mouths, and it needs to be good things and not, not bad things. Uh, let's do Ephesians 4.32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we're instructed to be kind to one another, tenderhearted. That's, that's always good advice. It's better to be kind. And then it says, uh, forgiving one another. One of the most important uh, qualities you can have for any human relationship is the quality of forgiveness. And, and the simple reason is this. Since we're all humans and since we all fail in various ways regularly, if we're honest, you know that's true, we're going to need to forgive one another. If I do something to offend you and you don't forgive me, then our relationship will be strained, won't it? Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm going to disappoint you in one way or another. Uh, you know, I just am. I mean, that's just how life sort of works, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So for us to maintain a relationship, we need to have the ability to forgive one another. 
What's very interesting about Ephesians 4.32 is it gives you a sequence as to forgiveness. So notice what it says. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In other words, we have the ability to forgive one another because God has already, past tense, forgiven us. Compare that with Matthew 6. Get Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is part of the prophetic program. It's before the cross. It's prior to the dispensation of grace. So we're looking here at instructions that are not uh, uh, directly applicable to us today. They were intended for Israel living under the Old Testament law. So it's very different. But Matthew 6 verse 9 is the start of a passage that people quote all the time, and it's the Lord's Prayer. Probably the most famous prayer in all of Christendom is the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? People pray it all the time. Right. Well, let's, let's read it together. Let's look at it very carefully, and let's consider whether this is a prayer that we should be praying today during the dispensation of grace. Matthew 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Verse 10, thy kingdom come. Now, let me just pause there for a minute. Matthew 6.10 makes perfect sense for Israel because Israel was looking for the coming of the Lord's kingdom. Israel was looking for the second coming, weren't they? Mm -hmm. That's what they should have been doing scripturally. And what happens at the second coming is the Lord Jesus Christ returns to earth. He destroys his enemies and he sets up his kingdom. So when Matthew 6.10, when Israel was taught to pray, thy kingdom come, that's exactly how they should have thought about it. In other words, they were praying for the Lord Jesus Christ to return at the second coming and set up his kingdom. So they would logically pray, thy kingdom come. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you and I should pray today during the dispensation of grace? Should we be expecting God's kingdom to come? And the answer, of course, is no, that's not something that we should pray, and it's not something that we should expect, because the next big event that's going to happen is not the second coming, it's not the Lord returning and establishing his kingdom, it is the church leaving this earth. The next big event is the rapture. At the rapture, the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't return to the earth. He doesn't set his foot on the Mount of Olives and set up a kingdom. What he does is he receives his church, the body of Christ, to himself in the air and takes us to heaven. It's not the establishment of his kingdom. It is his people leaving the earth. So what am I saying? Well, is the Lord's prayer something that's in the Bible? Yes. Is it exactly as Matthew 6 says? Yes, it is. But the Lord's Prayer is not something that is intended for us today, just like building an ark isn't for us today, just like animal sacrifices are not for us today. All those things were true. All those things are scriptural, but they're not God's program for today. So let's keep reading in Matthew 6.10. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Now notice verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, if we read that very carefully, it is the exact reverse of what Ephesians 4.32 said. I'm going to remind you, Ephesians 4.32 said this, forgive one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In other words, if you were to put it in order, the first thing that happened is God for Christ's sake forgave us. That was the first thing. And then we forgive others. So God forgave us first, and then we forgive others in Ephesians 4.32. Matthew 6.12 has the opposite order. Look at it again with me. And forgive us our debts, what does it say? As we forgive our debtors. In other words, we have to forgive our debtors first. Now you say, well, I'm not sure that's quite what it says. Well, we're in verse 12. Let's go down to verse 13. We'll go down to verse 14. Let's just read 13, 14, and 15 together. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so that's the ending of the Lord's Prayer. Now, notice verses 14 and 15, because they're going to explain exactly the way forgiveness works according to the Lord's Prayer. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye, not, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, that's different, isn't it? What what Matthew 6 Mm -hmm. says is if you want forgiveness from God, what do you first have to do? You have to forgive your fellow man. And if you don't forgive your fellow man, you don't get forgiveness from God. Under Matthew 6, under the kingdom program, for an individual to obtain forgiveness from God, they first had to forgive their fellow man. That's what Matthew 6, 12 says. That's what Matthew 6, 14 and 15 say. Ephesians 4, 32 is the opposite of that. Forgiving one another, that's present tense, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, past tense. Mm -hmm. Totally different. My point is this. Does God forgive people under different dispensations? He does. Does he forgive them the exact same way? No, he doesn't. Sometimes there are differences in God's dealings, and God deals with the kingdom church differently than he does the body of Christ. So Ephesians 4.32 ought to be a very comforting verse about forgiveness because what it means is this. What God has done for you is before you forgave anyone. Frankly, even if you don't forgive anyone, what has God already done for you for Christ's sake? He's forgiven your sins. He's already forgiven us. Yeah, the moment you believe the gospel, God the Father forgives all your sins, whether you forgive anyone or not. Now, should you? Absolutely, you should. Ephesians 4.32 says that. But what a blessing that God is gives us forgiveness up front. I sometimes like to say that grace is front-loaded. He gives you all the blessing up front and then asks you to live in gratitude. And that's how forgiveness works in Ephesians 4.32. Should we do uh, Ephesians 5.1? Yes. Uh, I'll read together 5.1 and 5.2. Um, so 5.1, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children 
and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Ephesians 5 verse 2 is very similar to Ephesians 4.32. In Ephesians 4.32, we notice that Christ, forget, God forgave us first, and then we forgive others. Look at Ephesians 5.2. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. So who went first? God went first. God forgave us in Ephesians 4.32, and we should forgive others in Ephesians 5.2. Christ hath loved us. He did that first. And mm-hmm. therefore, we should walk in love. See, the way grace works is what God does is in an instant, he gives us eternal forgiveness. He gives us acceptance in the beloved. We are loved by Christ. All of that happens up front. And then what God does is he says, Walk in love, walk in forgiveness based upon what you already have in Christ. In other words, you're operating from a position of strength. You're already forgiven. You're already loved. Mm -hmm. So now rejoice and live in those truths. That's what those verses are telling us. And that uh, forgiveness gives you freedom and liberty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's reassuring, isn't it? It is. And it really takes takes a lot off your shoulders, too, you know, to be able to do that. Um, so we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll still be in Ephesians. Uh, looks like we'll be in Ephesians 5.3. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to michael r mix at 14th street ministries.com now back to why paul and welcome back i'm your host michelle mix i'm your host michael mix i'm your host pam lampton and I'm your host, David Reed. And um, also, we're, we're with 14th Street Ministries, which is a listener-supported ministry. We are all volunteers, no payroll. So your donations are most appreciated. And if you would like to support this ministry to help pay for future broadcast pr- programming time, you can send your donations to 14th Street Ministries at 366 Woods Avenue, Newark, Ohio 43055. All right. And um, David, we're back to Ephesians 5 3. Great. Who wants to read 5 3? I agree. I have that. Pamela does. I do. She was um, sleeping. I was on the wrong page. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ephesians 5 3. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness let not be once named among you. As become of saints. Ephesians five three forbids certain behaviors that Scripture condemns. It says that, you know shouldn't be engaged in, and it says, "Let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints." And the idea there is, uh, someone who is a saint is it's someone who has been sanctified, who has been set aside for God's use. When things are sanctified in the temple, they're, they're, they're set aside. They are devoted to a holy purpose that God has for them. Well, if you're a believer today, uh, if you are a member of the body of Christ, in other words, you believe the gospel that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. The moment you believe that, you became a saint. And it doesn't mean that you're uh, sinless. It doesn't mean that you're, you've already you know, stopped sinning in your life. But what it means is you have been set apart for God's purposes. And therefore, how should you live? You should live like someone who has been set apart for God's purposes. That's why it says, don't engage in these behaviors, behave the way you should as becometh saints, as that which is fitting for saints. That's the idea of verse three. Let's look at verse four. Before I say that, I think that kind of answers the question that was asked on Facebook, doesn't it? I think, the, it, I think it does. During mm-hmm. the break, yes. Yeah, that was good timing. Yeah. Very, very good timing, isn't it? <laughs> okay, Ephesians 5, 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather give, giving of thanks. So we're seeing more about the tongue in verse 4. We saw a little bit about the tongue earlier. Um, the tongue is a problem. Uh, it is impossible to tame. And it wants to say bad things. Uh, let's let's get James chapter three. Now, in James chapter three, we're obviously looking at an epistle that was written to Kingdom Saints. It's not addressed directly to the body of Christ, but there's some information about the tongue 
that is accurate for our tongues today because human nature is is the same. Our tongues are a problem today during the dispensation of grace, just as they have been a problem in prior dispensations and future dispensations. Look with me at James chapter 3, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Well, the tongue's a problem, isn't it? Um, It's all of those things. It's full of deadly poison. It's an unruly evil. It can't be tamed. It's set on fire of hell. I mean, all of those things. The the point that we need to sort of keep in our minds is we have to be aware of that. And so we have to to guard what we say and we have to speak accordingly uh, because if you just let the tongue do what the tongue naturally wants to do, it's going to do those sorts of things, and it's going to cause all kinds of problems. Now, notice what happens in Ephesians 5.4. The first part of the verse says to avoid some things which are not convenient. In other words, they're not profitable. They're not healthy. They're, they're not to your benefit to engage in them. And then in the second part of the verse, it says, but rather. So, in other words, don't do the stuff we just talked about, but here is something to do but rather giving of thanks. Now, here's what I think we can take from that verse. If you're ever inclined, so maybe you have a thought or you're angry about something and you're about to say something that's not kind, which does that ever happen? Sure, it happens, right? Let's be Mm -hmm. honest. Well, what should you do? Well, instead of verbalizing something that is full of deadly poison and unkind and evil and the the things that we do and we've all done. Scripture's response to that is give thanks. So when you're tempted to say something bad, we know what you should do. You should think about something you can be thankful for. Do you have lots of things to be thankful for? Well, you do if you're a member of the body of Christ, don't you? Look with me at 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything. So are there any exceptions for that? No. In everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, including the situations we don't like. And there's a lot of those. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let me give you an example. There's going to be situations you don't like. There's going to be situations like health circumstances or flat tires or just problems in life, right? Aches and pains and personal problems, and they're real. They are. We're on a sin-cursed earth. Well, what should our attitude be? Should we be grumpy? Should we be angry? Should Should we be resentful? Well, in everything, in every situation, we should give thanks. So let me give you, for instance, uh, something happens that is a bad circumstance, and it's really bad, whatever it is. Does that change your eternal security in Jesus Christ? Mm -mm. No. No. 
Does it change whether you are accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1? No. Mm-hmm. Does it change whether you're complete in him, Colossians 2.10? It doesn't change any of those things. So even if I get a flat tire, even if I get in a car wreck, even if I get something far worse, right? There's other things that are worse. It doesn't change who I am in Christ. So I can be thankful in the midst of an earthly circumstance that I don't like because there's a deeper spiritual truth that's true, that's eternal. I mean, think about it this way, and this is not a small thing, but I'll just mention it. What happens if you suffer a very severe physical injury, something really really bad, which people do. And it would be natural for them to be disappointed by that, wouldn't it? But these bodies only last for a very short period of time in light of eternity, don't they? And eternity is very long. And if you're in the body of Christ, you have an eternity uh, in the future that is blessed that nothing can take away. So even in the midst of earthly troubles, you can give thanks and you should give thanks. I would suggest to you the greatest cure for our bad moods and our bad words is to give thanks. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why scripture commands us to. If you, if you notice how first, let me read First Thessalonians 5.18 just once more. Notice how it's written. It's actually written as a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an observation. It is an instruction. It's a requirement. In everything, give thanks. Well, Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is God's will that we give thanks in all things, not when we're happy, not when things turn out the way we want, but in everything. That is the most healthy and spiritual and scriptural way to live. And that, that's really the, the guidance that we should follow. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded too, um, Philippians 4.8 gives a list of things that we should think on. We have a lot that goes on in our minds, you know, and the circumstances and different things that hit our life. And um, God has answers for those things to uh, renew our minds through scripture. But Philippians 4 has a good list of things. I I totally agree with that. Let's do Ephesians 5.5. Okay. For this ye know that no oremonger nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. This is a fascinating verse. Many people come to this verse and they think, wait a minute. Anything, anyone on that list, someone that's an unclean person or a covetous man or a whoremonger, well, they're not saved because what this says very clearly is they don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of our God. And so what they say is, well, if you're A or B or C, then you're not saved. That's not correct. And let me, let me show you why that is. Now, the first reason you, you know that's not correct is salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. And if these individuals there that had performed those activities, if they were ex- uh, excluded from salvation, then salvation would be on the basis of works, right? In other words, they had failed to perform the standard of righteousness that they needed, and therefore, they're just not going to go to heaven because their, their works just aren't good enough. But can I suggest to you, here's the answer, and this is so often the case in Bible study. When you read a verse and you're not sure what to make of it, the key thing is 
is to find the cross-reference. And so turn with me to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. We will see the cross-reference that is very helpful in explaining this. Now, while you're turning there, let me tee it up this way. The question that Ephesians 5, 5 really presents is this. Does Ephesians 5, 5 teach that someone that has committed the sins that were listed in that verse, that they can't go to heaven, they're disqualified, and it's just too bad, so sad for them? Mm-hmm. Look at me at 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you look at those two verses, that's an even bigger problem than mm-hmm. Ephesians 5.5, because 5, there's a whole bunch more on the list, right? And it covers everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, mm-hmm. if, if, if you don't see yourself in one of those, you're probably yeah. not being honest, yeah, right? right. Well, it says none of those inherit the kingdom of God. So does that mean that we're all just out of luck? Well, read the very next verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. Ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Did you catch what verse 11 told us? It mm-hmm. says, and such were some of you. In other words, they engaged in those behaviors. But then it said, but ye are washed. So here's what happens. If I go and commit, if I commit a bank robbery, I am a bank robber, right? I mean, because I have committed bank robbery, so I am now a bank robber. And that's the way the world will, that will always be true of me, right? In other words, I Mm -hmm. robbed a bank at one point, so hence I am a bank robber. What 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 makes the point of is when you are in Christ, what happens is you no longer are what you were. I'm going to say that again. You Mm -hmm. no longer are what you were. So maybe you were a thief beforehand, or you were an extortioner, or you were any of those things listed. You were that at one point in time. But when you believe the gospel, ye now are washed, justified, sanctified. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. See, the, the world will always identify you on the basis of the worst thing you were. Mm-hmm. It won't let you live it down. That's how it will view you. But in Christ, you're washed from what you are. You are no longer that. So when you read Ephesians 5, 5, when you read 1 Corinthians 6, and you see those lists of sins, and it says, none of them have any inheritance in the kingdom of God, it's talking about lost people who are extortioners, and they remain extortioners for the simple reason they're not in Christ. The only way to get out from under your sin debt, the only way to get justification from what you were is in the gospel. And if you never believe the gospel, then you remain what you were, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you're, even if you only stole once, you're a thief and you remain a thief because you never got forgiveness. But hallelujah, the answer in Jesus Christ is 
If you believe the gospel that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day, then whatever bad thing you were, you no longer are. Okay, I, so, I hope so the, that's an encouragement. Go ahead. So the question would be asked is after you're after you say you're saved and you do these things or do some of these or whatever, then mm -hmm. the question is going to be, what then? So that, that is a really good question, and I'm glad you raised it. When a saint, when a saved person sins, they are acting inconsistently with who they are. Let me give you the flip side of it. When a lost person sins, no one should be, should be surprised. You know, in mm -hmm. other words, there's this lost guy and he sinned. I was shocked. No, you're not shocked because lost people sin. That's what they do. They have a sin nature and they sin. A saved person, they still have the ability to sin, but it is inconsistent with who they are because they've been justified. They've been sanctified in Christ. Now, let me, uh, let me sort of amplify that just a little bit. Mm -hmm. When God forgave us, in other words, the moment we believe the gospel, did he think, well, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive Michael and David's sins up till now, but here on out, they're on their own. You know, they got to take care of those. Is that what he did? Mm -mm. I mean, he didn't do that. If that's what he did, we're in trouble because we've sinned since we got saved. The moment we got saved, he forgave us of all of our sins. And so even if we sin in the future, that's not who we are. They were but all what, future yeah, in the beginning. Exactly. So. exactly, exactly. So what we need to do uh, then, then just honestly is we need to live like who we are, right? right. We shouldn't be living that way. So. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that's helpful. Okay. Any any other any other comments before we go to verse six? No. No. That, that <laughs> answered that question. That was very good. Yes. I do want to bring up the point that some people do bring that up um, a person's past, and they'll bring it up and say, "Well, I don't. I still can't believe that they're saved because of what they did." Mm -hmm. Right. And they they can't see past that, and um, it's not up to man to forgive. A man's past. A man never forgets their past, but they'll bring that up to compare them to their Christian walk today and say, well, because they did that, I can't believe that they're saved, which actually takes away the power of the salvation. It takes away the value of um, them accepting Christ and accepting that grace. Yeah, mm -hmm. Christ died for the sins of the world. That was forever, wasn't it? Yes. And so the point you raise, Pam, is a real one, because here's what happens. And let me read to you Romans 2.15. And I'll start in verse Romans 2.14, then we'll read verse 15. Mm -hmm. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. Now notice this part. And their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. Now, here's what happens. What Pam said is exactly right. What some people do is they look and they, they look and they say, that, that David, he can't be a Christian. Do you know what he's done? He's done this and that, and he says these unkind things, and he's a selfish person, and, you know, they go through the whole list. And they're probably right on most of it, right? And if, if they're not right, they're probably close. But what happens is this, 
what we all are very good at doing is accusing other people of he did this, this, and this, and we find excuses for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when people say, well, he can't be a Christian, look at how he behaves, or I would never want to be a Christian, look at how some of them behave. Well, let's cut to the chase. Let's be honest. Do you really think that you are so righteous? So in other words, someone that sits in judgment on their fellow man and says, oh, I'm so much better than him. Are you really? If you think you are, then for the next week, write down every thought you have and then come on the program next week and read to the world every thought that you had. You won't, you don't have the courage to do that. You don't have the courage to do that because despite your profession of being better than others, you know at your core, unless you're lying to yourself, that, that, that you have an evil sin nature and there's wicked things that run through your mind that you will never tell another human soul. That's right. But God knows they're there. Mm-hmm. And, and so what my point of all this is not to accuse anyone or anything like that, but my point is to say this. It is the common human condition to need a savior. Mm-hmm. If yeah, you right. think you're so good, you don't need one. You're kidding yourself. If you think, well, I'm better than Bobby down the street, so I'm okay. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. You need the free gift of salvation that's available in Jesus Christ. And if you don't take advantage of that, you're making an eternally bad mistake. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see it, Pam. Very good. Should we do verse six? Okay, Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So what verse 6 describes is it describes people being deceived with vain words. Vain words are obviously empty. They're, they're, not, they're not accurate. They're not sound. They're, they're empty. They're meaningless. And it describes people as being deceived. Here's what this is telling us. In the realm of spiritual things, in the realm of doctrine, we always have to be careful about being deceived. We know Satan is a liar and the father of it. So what does he do constantly? He lies. Is Satan a smart being? He's a Mm -hmm. smart being. So if he is a smart being and a liar, he's a really, really good liar. <laughs> so yeah. what is the earth going to be full of? It's going to be full of lies, and some of them are going to be pretty good. They're going to be really convincing. They're going to be deceptive. You may have heard this said before. The greatest preacher who ever lives was Satan. He preached to half the human audience, converted his entire audience, and his audience then went out and converted the rest of the human race. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that what happened? That's mm-hmm. right. So he, he's very effective in his deception. Um, so what, what that means, obviously, is we need to be very careful, right? We need to be very biblical and in the scriptures so that we think about things the way scripture does. The end of verse 6 talks about, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. There is wrath that the children of disobedience face, and they face that because of their sins, Accordingly, as believers, we're not going to face wrath for our sins, but it's just wrong. It's just, it's just inconsistent for us to engage in the, in the behaviors that we've been forgiven of, and we need to quit doing it. Mm-hmm. 
Let's do verse 7. Be not ye, therefore, partakers with them. And really what that's saying is don't live like the lost. In other words, don't live how you, you used to be. Let's do verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So notice again this, this contrast. There's a difference between what we were and what we are. We were darkness. And that's a reference to being lost. That's a reference to when we were, were not saved. It then says, but now, well, something's changed for us. We're no longer darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. And what should we therefore do? We should walk as children of the light. Compare this verse with Colossians 1.13. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Colossians 1.13 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. So that's what we were in. We were under the power of darkness when we were lost and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we went from being under the power of darkness to being in the kingdom of his dear son, being part of the body of Christ. Let's do verse nine. For the spirit, I'm um, sorry, I'll start over. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The first thing to notice there is that the Spirit produces fruit, doesn't it? It talks mm -hmm. about what the fruit of the Spirit is. You're probably all familiar with uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which is, is probably the most famous passage on the fruit of the Spirit in the Scriptures, Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And the, the idea there, of course, is that what do vines and trees do? Well, they naturally produce fruit. And so if you think of any type of tree, you know, whether it's a fig tree or an apple tree or whatever it is, that type of tree is going to produce fruit based upon its kind, right? So if you want apples, you really can't go to a fig tree and find them. You're just not going to be able to do it. Fig trees produce figs. Well, what the lesson for us is this. We need to have the spirit operating in us to produce that fruit. In other words, if we just walk according to our own desires, if we just walk according to our flesh, our old ways of thinking, what are we going to get? Well, we're going to get not good fruit, but we're going to get corrupt fruit. Look with me at Galatians 5.16. It's, it's interesting that this verse is just a few verses before Galatians 5.22 and 23, which talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So right before we learn about the fruit of the Spirit in detail, notice what Galatians 5.16 says. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What we need to do is we need to make some choices as to how we walk. If we choose to walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will naturally produce the fruit that's described in Galatians 5 as well as Ephesians 5. So it matters how we choose to walk. Let's do Ephesians 5.10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. We should talk about what the word prove means. Um, 
one of the definitions of it, and I'll, I'll read you this from a, a Webster's 1828 dictionary. This is the first meaning of the word. To prove is to try. To ascertain some unknown quality or truth by an experiment or by a test or standard. In other words, it's to, it's to evaluate something. In other words, it's to figure out what it is. It's to put it through a series of tests so that you know what you're dealing with. So verse 10 says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. In other words, it's saying, do some investigation, do some study, figure out what the answer is. An interesting cross-reference is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21 Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. The idea there is to test things, isn't it? In other words, don't just believe everything you hear. It would be a mistake if you were listening to our program and you said, well, they were talking on the program and they said this, so it must be true. Well, that's, that's not the way to do things. If, if you hear something said, what you should do is you should then search the scriptures and see whether the scripture backs up the point that's being made. If if, yeah. if scripture supports it, then yeah, it is a true statement. Check us but out. If, but if there's no scripture to support it, or maybe sometimes scripture says the exact opposite, then it really doesn't matter what I say, or frankly, what Michael or Michelle or Pam, doesn't matter what any of us say. If, if the scripture doesn't support the point, then honestly, you, you're better off ignoring it. Um, so that's why we need to, to search all things. Look with me at Romans 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind, putting sound doctrine, putting the word of God in your mind again and again and again and again, so that your thinking lines up with the word of God. The verse then says this, that ye may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Let me give you an example here. A lot of times when people talk about God's will, they talk about the circumstances of life. God wants me to take this job as opposed to that job. He wants me to buy this car as opposed to that car. He wants me to live in this city versus that city. And they have all of these ideas about God wants me to make this particular earthly choice. Scripture really doesn't say much about that. You, you should read the will of God. Go ahead and get out Blue Letter Bible or your concordance mm-hmm. and study the will of God. And scripture doesn't say what kind of car Michael should buy. It just doesn't. It doesn't tell him to buy a Ford or a Chevy or anything like that. It doesn't tell him which house to buy. What Scripture does is it gives us lots of guidance on spiritual things that it wants us to do. For example, it's God's will that all men be saved. It's God's will that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. My point in telling you that is this, the way that you really understand God's will is not by emotion, it's not by circumstance, it is by studying the Word of God, reading verse after verse after verse, where God tells you what His will is, right? He desires our sanctification, He desires our salvation, He desires our, our growth in, in, in the truth. Those are the th- sort of things He cares about, and you get that from searching the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So this is a good point. Let me just make a, 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 let me bring this together in the following way. So we've talked a lot of things t- tonight about 
things that are helpful for us to understand in our Christian walk about how we should behave. But let's not miss the most important thing. The way that you get saved for all eternity is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. What God expects of us is not to get water baptized or to tithe or to join a church or to give some money or keep some commandments or any of those things. What he expects us to do is to have faith in the blood that Jesus Christ shed for us. The moment that we trust the blood that Jesus Christ shed, God saves us forever. So if you've never done that, friends, you need to do that. And now is the day of salvation. Don't wait till later. You need to make the decision to have faith in Christ's blood today. And we, uh, we guarantee you, if you believe that and you read the Word of God, it'll change your life. By the Word of God, we guarantee that, that your life will be changed. Yep, your eternal destiny will be different. Absolutely. And, uh, and David, would you um, give an example of, let's say, someone, a listener, who this is their first time hearing this, and they want to accept that? Yep. What type of prayer should they give? What what? Because I'm sure that would be a question of someone that doesn't know. What, mm-hmm. what do I pray? How do I know I pray to write? Yeah, great question. A lot of times people will give different formulas for prayer, and they'll say you have to pray this way or that way and so on. And there is no real formula. Um, what God does is he sees your heart and he sees what you really uh, desire. Um, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, basically what you're doing is when you recognize you're a sinner and you realize you can't save yourself and you understand Christ paid the penalty for my sins. So rather than me try to earn it, I'm going to trust what he did and I'm going to place my faith in his work on the cross. The moment you do that, whether you pray or not. And let me just say this, it's not words you speak because there's some people that are that are mute that can't speak. So it's, it's not the act of words. It's not a public testimony. It's in your heart, trusting what Christ did for you. And the moment you do that, you're saved. It's that simple. Yeah, that's right. It's very easy. Yeah. And God knows your heart. So, Yes, yes. he does. And it's that, that free gift that we get to enjoy. Amen. And more. Yes. Amen. So that's a good stopping point for now, and we can pick up here next time. Yep. We'll still be uh, in Ephesians next time. Ephesians so we hope everyone. Yep. Everybody uh, joins back listening to us. You can listen to us um, on Voice America on the um, internet radio. You can listen to us live as well as on Facebook Live. And uh, so we'll see everybody next week. Thank you. Goodbye. Have a good Take week. You have been listening to Why Paul. Visit us on the web at 14thStreetMinistries.com. And please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, David Reed, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program. Yeah.